0: Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The text for the message picks up exactly where the gospel gospel reading left off, in Mark chapter 13. Tell us, when will these things be, and what will be the sign when all these things are about to be accomplished? And Jesus began to say to them, see that no one leads you astray many will come in my name saying I am he and they will lead many astray and when you hear of wars and rumors of wars do not be alarmed this must take place but the end is not yet for nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom there will be earthquakes in various places there will be famines These are but the beginning of the birth pains. But be on your guard, for they will deliver you over to councils and you will be beaten in synagogues and you will stand before governors and kings for my sake to bear witness before them. And the gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations. And when they bring you to trial and deliver you over, do not be anxious beforehand what you are to say But say whatever is given you in that hour, for it is not you who speak, but the Holy Spirit. And brother will deliver brother over to death, and the father his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death. And you will be hated by all for my name's sake, but the one who endures to the end will be saved." When will the end come? When will Jesus return? Have you ever asked yourself that question? Well, be assured that there are plenty of false prophets around who are ready and willing to scratch that itch if you have it. Remember any of these? In 2017, David Mead forecast that a meteor was going to strike the earth and destroy it in 2015 John Hagee predicted because of the blood moons that the messianic kingdom was now going to be ushered in in 2012 the Mayan calendar was about to come to an end the long count Mayan calendar of 5000 years on December the 21st 2012 obviously that was the end or you could go back to uh, Harold Camping the year before who on May 21st declared that this would be the day that Christ returned in fact so certain was he that he took out full-page ads in USA Today in order to warn the entire public. So it goes with every prediction of the end that's going to be whether it's 1914 and the founders of the Jehovah Witnesses or 1843 and 44 and the founders of the Seventh-day Adventists or 1534 when Jan Matisse took over the city of Munster in Germany and declared that the Kingdom of God had now arrived in that city or it could have been 1988 that was the year when, in the mail, I received this little booklet, uh, and I think just about every pastor in, the North, in North America got one of these, a booklet by Edgar Wiesenant entitled, 88 Reasons Why the Rapture Will Be in 1988 by the way he gets very specific in here he actually has the date when the millennium will begin which is December the 23rd 1995 following the seven years of tribulation he happened to have been a uh, uh, an electrical engineer for NASA and a very competent one but not a very competent interpreter of the scriptures well I belabor the point But it's a point that was made by Jesus himself, who you recall in Matthew said, But concerning that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father only. And then just a few verses later he said, Therefore you also must be ready, for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect you know well it's it's as if God doesn't want you to know when Christ is going to return yeah right exactly instead Jesus says don't be fooled by false prophets don't be led astray don't think that because there's wars that's a sign of the end don't think that just because there are natural disasters that's an indication of my imminent return Don't think that way, be on your guard, be ready. You may find yourself a witness to me, Jesus is saying, in very difficult circumstances, in very difficult times. Don't expect the Christian life to be a bed of roses. People won't like you. People will hate you for my name's sake that's what Jesus said so if we're to draw truth from this uh, part of Scripture what would it be it would be this the important matter is not when Jesus is going to return the important matter is how will we remain faithful as we wait and endure until Jesus returns because as you recall him saying The one who endures to the end will be saved. What does it mean to endure? What is it like to endure? How are we going to endure as faithful followers of Jesus Christ until his return or he calls us home? Now don't think that this is a theoretical question, you know, the kind of obscure uh, argument that theologians will have at lunchtime over at CUW. No, this is imminently practical. This isn't how many angels will dance on the head of a pin. This is how will we survive as followers of Jesus Christ. One of our problems is this, we here are simply not accustomed to living in an environment that is hostile to the Christian faith. We have been so blessed in our country. We have been free to share our faith in so many different ways. We can talk about Jesus with our neighbors. We can talk about Jesus with ourselves. We can evangelize. Jesus, you recall, said, and the gospel must first be proclaimed to all nations. Well, our country has been a center for sending the gospel out to all nations and that mission has been very specific. It's the mission of telling the world about Christ who was crucified for our sins and the Christ who was raised again for our justification. It's the message to tell the world the true state of of humankind, God as a righteous creator Holy and just in Himself demands the same holiness of His creation, and yet we are not. But God, rather than destroying us, sends us a Savior in His Son Jesus Christ, who takes upon Himself the burden of our sin and wins for us the forgiveness of that sin. But you see, the world does not take kindly to having its sins exposed. Governments, look at the church as a threat. Sinners look at the church as judgment. Other religions realize the threat as we gain influence for Jesus Christ within the world and what is the result? The result is persecution and sometimes even martyrdom for faith in Jesus Christ. I wonder what it would be like to be living today as a Christian in Syria where this awful civil war has been going on. And there are Christians in Syria. I wonder what it would be like to be living in a country where to be a Christian is illegal to such a degree. Perhaps you've heard of Azia Bibi, Uh, just this last week in the news. She is the woman, a Christian woman in Pakistan who is being tried for blasphemy. The Pakistani Supreme Court exonerated her of the crime of blasphemy. Nevertheless, she was spirited away in secret to some secret location because the mobs in the streets were demanding her death. How will she endure Under such pressure, our situation is so much less traumatic or dramatic. And yet we find ourselves in a situation where increasingly the Christian faith is under ridicule in the public square. And that ridicule silences us. We don't want to be accused of being bigots, and so we don't happen to mention that marriage is is really only between a man and a woman, and that's the only definition of marriage that there is. We we don't want to be, we don't want to appear as ignorant, and so we don't mention that we were created by a super-intelligent creator, God the Father, rather than having emerged over eons of time through random chance by mutation from the primordial soup and we begin to notice it becomes riskier and riskier to even share our faith in the communities in which we live. How will we endure as followers of Jesus Christ under that pressure? and that's only talking about the external pressures that we have. What about the internal pressures? About the things we worry about. Do you you ever worry about your health? Wonder if those telltale signs are simply evidence of aging or is there something more serious going on? Or Do you worry about your finances? Do you like roller coasters so much that you think the stock market really is a lot of fun? Or what about your children? Ever worry about your children? What your children might do to others? What others might do to your children? What your children might do to themselves? It gets riskier. How will we endure as followers of Jesus Christ under such pressure? Well, there's there's a number of different routes that we could follow. One route, quite popular, is to say, I know that I will endure until the end because I have such strong feelings for Jesus Christ. I feel for Him. My faith in my heart is so strong. I know that I will endure to the end. I would caution you against taking that route. You see, those feelings, like all of our feelings, can be fleeting. And though individuals who take that route recognize that there are people you know, who seemed to fall away from faith, nevertheless, they would say, well, they must never have truly believed anyway. They must never have had the strong enough feelings in the heart. But when Paul writes to Timothy, he mentions Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom he said made shipwreck of their faith. They had faith, but lost it. It's possible not to endure. So, if I follow that route, I'm going to find myself with problems. How will I know if there are others who themselves felt so strongly for their faith, but then walked away? How do I know that sometime in the future, I, who now feel so strong about my faith, will find myself walking away and be lost. Well there's another route that we could follow. I could say I know that I will endure until the end because of, of my own willpower, my own works, the things that I do, my prayers, my worships, uh, my, my worshiping practice the way in which I love my neighbor. Those are the pieces of evidence that I can use in order to know that I have a firm foundation that will hold me strong until the end and I will endure. I caution you against taking that route. Even Paul himself, who had a tremendously strong personality, never looked to his own willpower as the source of his strength. Circumstances can overwhelm. Opportunities can be lost. Our bodies continue to weaken as we age, as do our minds. Paul saw himself as weak so he wrote to the Romans for I do not understand my own actions for I do not do what I want but I do the very thing I hate for I have the desire to do what is right but not the ability to carry it out for I do not do the good I want but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing you see if I follow that route I'm gonna find myself in trouble because I will have seriously underestimated the power of the devil the world and my own sinful flesh to take me down. No, Paul needed something stronger than his own self-will and so do I and so do you. There is another route. There is another path to endure. I can say, I will endure because I will look to Jesus. I will endure to the end because I will listen to Jesus. I will endure to the end, whatever the circumstances, because I will trust in Jesus. I won't look to my own feelings for Him, but I'll look to His feelings for me. I won't trust in my own works done for Him, but I'll trust in His work done for me. And there's no caution that I need to give here. Because this is what the scriptures tell us to do. Now Paul says in Philippians, Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And that sounds like something that we must do for ourselves. But the very next sentence says this, For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. It is God's power that's behind our endurance. So Paul writes to the Thessalonians, But the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. And he writes to the Philippians, He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. And if those words of God giving us strength for the enduring aren't enough, Peter in his first letter says this. And This is a longer passage, so please keep, keep attentive. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, You are the ones who, by God's power, are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. God claimed you. He washed you in your baptism. He's fed you at His table. It's, it's, He's the one who gives you the courage, the strength, the endurance, so that you look to God through Jesus Christ and that way you can avoid thinking that your feelings will give you the strength you need or your deeds will give you the proof that you require. Instead, you follow the direction of the author of Hebrews who says let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Enduring really is what Jesus is talking about in Mark chapter 13. Enduring is surviving whatever our circumstance is as faithful followers of Jesus Christ to the time when he returns or to that moment of our own end. Let me share with you a story. There's an author by the name of Alexander Solzhenitsyn. Uh, He's a famous Russian novelist who received the Nobel Prize in 1974 for literature. He has an interesting backstory. He was Russian. He was a confirmed communist. He fought in the World War II for the Russian army on their western front. And in 1945, as he was fighting against uh, the Nazis, he happened to write a letter to a friend of his in which he happened to criticize the Stalinist regime. A few days later, he found himself arrested, incarcerated, and imprisoned. He spent the next 10 years in a Siberian labor camp and after he was released from the Siberian labor camp he found himself really really wasn't a release then he went into internal exile is what it was called which was just like another another type of prison when he finally was released from that he began to write and as his life progressed he went from being a communist atheist to being a religious person to being a devout Christian. Probably the shortest work he ever wrote, most of his you know like Russian novels, they're enormous, is is this little book here. It's called One Day in the Life of Ivan Denezevich. Ivan Denezevich is a prisoner in a Siberian labor camp. The story is one of his days. How he wakes up, it's 17 degrees below zero. He's marched over to the mess hall, he's marched out to his work camp, he's marched back to the mess hall, and then it's the end of the day and he's there in his cell. It so happens that his cellmate, one of his cellmates, is a man by the name of Alyosha. Alyosha is a Christian. In fact, the reason that, that Alyosha is in prison is because he is a Christian. And this Alyosha character seems to have this this peace about him. Whereas Ivan is just cold, cramped, and depressed. Alyosha has this strange peace about him, and he seems to have an effect on the other prisoners who are around him. Well, this particular evening, before lights out, Ivan is putting Alyosha down for his faith. What's this done for you? Here you are, you're, you're in this miserable camp. You're doing this miserable work, eating this miserable food. Where is your faith getting you, is what Ivan is saying. Well, however much you pray, Ivan says, it doesn't shorten your stretch. You'll sit it out from the beginning to the end anyhow. Alyosha responds horrified, Oh, you mustn't pray for that either. Why do you want freedom? In freedom your last grain of faith will be choked with weeds. You should rejoice that you are in prison. Here you have time to think about your soul. In the worst of circumstances, this Alyosha endures. Not only is he enduring, he's thriving. He has his prayers, he has his Bible, but his eyes are focused on Jesus Christ, even in the labor camp. Critics of the book have said, you know, Ivan really is Alexander Solzhenitsyn. This is one of his days that he's reporting. And I can't help but wonder if that's the case, if he's really Ivan in the story, does Alexander Solzhenitsyn, by the end of his own life, become Alyosha? When will Christ return? We learn today that that really is not the most important question. The real matter is not so much when will Christ return, but how will we endure faithfully as his followers until he returns Or he calls us home. And the answer for that is clear. We won't do it by relying upon our own emotion. We won't do it by relying upon our own works or deeds. We'll rely upon Christ's love for us. And his work for us. And in that way, we will have strength. And we will endure regardless of the circumstances in which we find ourselves. For our God is faithful, and he will do it. Amen. I invite you now to join me in a closing prayer. Lord God, Heavenly Father, through your word and sacrament, you strengthen our faith, and by your power and grace, we endure. Be present with us this week in all we do that our words and deeds may be a faithful witness to your love, especially as we gather to give you thanks for all of your blessings through your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.